Hello and welcome. My name is Dr. Kenitra Bryant and today's motivational aim targets, don't let it consume you. I want to thank you for listening to the fasting series I'm covering. My aim for this series is to encourage listeners to understand the purpose and power of fasting. If this is your first time tuning in, I encourage you to listen to parts one through eight to catch up. But the motivational aim, don't let it consume you, is one that I believe needs to be talked about. We already know what fasting is. Fasting is when a person, okay, let me rephrase, biblical God-honoring fasting is when a person abstains from food for a specific period of time. They are setting themselves apart to grow closer and draw closer to God. They want to hear from God. They are looking for God to direct them no matter the direction he leads them, even if it goes against what they originally thought their life would look like. When a person fasts, They are eliminating the distractions that are around them or in them. When a person chooses to fast, they are choosing to not focus on the distractions. They are focusing on God. They are focusing on God's nature. They are focusing on God's word, his voice, his wisdom, his way, his plan, and his will. That is what's happening. Within this series... There was a motivational aim that I targeted in on, and it was entitled Prompted to Fast. And if a person is prompted to fast, they just need to go ahead and fast. And I want to let you know, whenever you are distracted and you're giving too much attention to it, whatever it is in your life, it is consuming your thoughts. If you find it consuming your thoughts and you can't think behind it, you can't speak, you can't go throughout the day without monitoring it, talking about it, being anxious about it, and people put it in your face. And if you find yourself upset because you don't have it and you feel like a failure, you feel like you can't grasp it, you feel as if you're not competent or worthy, you look around and it looks like everybody else has it but you, and you question your worth without it, it's time to fast. It's time to get your eyes off of it and get your eyes focused on God. It's time to put it in its proper place because apparently it, whatever it is in your life, It's consuming you and you're spending more time with it, thinking about it more than God. And that's a problem. That's a major problem. And people can see you are worried about it. People see you don't have it and they mock you. They use that as an opportunity if they're evil, if they are wicked, they use that as an opportunity to mock you, tease you, talk about you. And then ask you questions on why you don't have it. You should have it. I mean, aren't you this age and you don't have it? Don't you want it? If anything like that is happening to you, 
and you feel that you're consumed, you don't know what to do, and then you find yourself thinking about, if I could just get it and put it in everybody's face and show everybody that I'm not a failure, hey, it's time to go ahead and fast and refocus your mind because apparently it is not what it is. And I understand we all have desires. We all have things that we're believing God for. We don't know how things are going to happen. We don't know how the opportunity is going to present itself. We don't know what God has in store for us. We know it's going to be some great things. But right now, everything doesn't look great. All we see is our day-to-day routine. And sometimes you can get tired of that, especially if you have ambition and you have a vision, and it looks like everything's stacked up against you. So you're trying to figure out, man, what's going on? Everybody looks like they have it, but I don't. I'm following God, and I don't have it, and they're not following God, and they have it. Lord, what's up? What's going on? I'm not being disrespectful, Lord, either. I'm just asking, what is the deal? Where is it? I mean, people are showcasing it in my face. They're asking me, you don't have it already? What is taking you so long to acquire it? Don't you want it? And I'm tired of getting these questions. And then people are coming up to me trying to give me advice I didn't ask for. Telling me, I mean, if you really wanted it, why don't you just go get it? Why don't you just make it happen? Why are you waiting on God for it? You don't have to do it that way. Go get it how you want to. Oh, you don't have it because you're scared. You haven't gotten over your past situation. Oh, you don't have it because you're trusting God for it. So what's taking God so long to give it to you? People who don't follow God get it all the time with no problem. And you trust in God? Why he didn't give it to you yet? You probably don't know what to do with it. I'm sure praying that you get it. All of that could be going on day in and day out in your life. And you over here praying for God because you really want it and you want it his way. And everything looks backwards. If you are not mindful, it will consume you. And it could be the yearning for a family. It could be somebody wanting a family because they felt cheated from their childhood. It could be somebody wanting a child. Everybody around you has a baby. You want a baby. Every time you think you're getting closer to either having a baby or adopting a baby, conceiving a baby, it just doesn't work out. Or if you had a baby and something happened to the baby, everything's just upside down and it consumes you. You're asking God, Lord, What is the deal? Why'd that happen to me? Someone's it could be financial freedom. 
They're tired of living underneath it, having to pay it, dealing with it. If they just had the financial resources, they wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. Someone's it could be an opportunity, trust, a relationship, restoration of a relationship. Someone's it could be a visit, a boundary. Someone's it could be a promotion, healing, deliverance, joy, an escape, a miracle, an answered prayer, food, shelter, clothing, another chance. A desire fulfilled, a new home, a vehicle, a better home, a better vehicle. Vindication can be somebody's it. Truth exposed could be somebody's it. Validation can be somebody's it. Somebody's it could be just to see their children, to see their grandchildren, spend time with their loved ones. Somebody else's it could be exposure. It can represent so much. Somebody's it could be confidence. It can represent so much. And while there might not be anything wrong with it, whatever your it is, the issue that comes into place is, will a person put it before God? Will they put it in all it comes with, desires, dreams, ideas, vindication, whatever? Will a person think about it more than God? Will a person think about what it can do for them outside of what God will do and can do for them? Will a person think about it being the answer when God is the answer all along? Will a person think that it will fulfill every desire, not understanding that it can't fill you when you get it? Whenever it is consuming your life and you can't think, your relationships are messed up, your money is messed up, and if a person gets to the point where they are fueling it, funding it, assisting it, they can't think behind it because they want it, they lack peace concerning it, they have no joy until they get it, they're planning their life out with it and it's not even there and they're angry that they don't have it it might be time to go ahead and do a fast because it is your master or it is that person's master it is making that person bow and bend it is controlling that person's mind it can't have that individual thinking it is controlling them it is their master It has robbed that person from their peace. Now, am I saying what the individual is desiring, whatever it is, is it bad? No. But something's going on because it is in the wrong place in that person's life. Because it is getting more time and thought than God is getting. It's time to give it to God and let God do what he's going to do with it. And that's what happened in scripture with Hannah. She had to do the very same thing I just mentioned. She had to give it to God because it 
was consuming her. And for those who want to read this passage of scripture, it is found in 1 Samuel, the first chapter. And of course, I encourage you to read that passage of scripture in its entirety on your own. And if you really want to get a full scope of what took place, I would encourage you to read 1 Samuel, the first through the third chapter. But here is a backdrop of what went down. There was a man by the name of Elkanah. He had two wives. The first wife's name was Hannah. And the second wife's name was Penina. Now, Penina had children, but Hannah was childless. Elkanah would go to his town every year to worship the Lord and sacrifice to the Lord. Whenever Elkanah would offer a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the sacrifice to his wife, Penina, and to each of her sons and daughters. But he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved Hannah more than his other wife, even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Now, Hannah's rival, Penina, would taunt her severely to provoke her because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Year after year, when she went up to the Lord's house, the temple, the church, her rival, Hannah's rival, the other wife, taunted her in this way, making fun of her because she didn't have kids, didn't have children. She couldn't conceive. So Hannah would weep and not eat. She abstained from food. Now, her husband would ask her, you know, why are you crying? Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? What is it that is bothering you? What is it that has you down and sad? But on one day, Hannah was deeply hurt, and she prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears, and she made a vow. She pleaded to the Lord and asked the Lord to take notice of her affliction. She asked the Lord to remember her and not forget her. And she asked the Lord for a son. And she promised to give the son back to the Lord and his hair would never be cut. And as you read the entire book of 1 Samuel, the first through the third chapters, you will discover that the Lord answered her prayer. The Lord answered her prayer when she surrendered it to God, she gave it to God. And not only did she have a dynamic man of God as a son, the Lord blessed her with three more sons and two daughters. So she had a total of six children. And what I want to address is how Hannah had to give it to God. The very thing that was not working out in her life, at that particular time, she had to give it to God because it was a pain point that the wrong people in her life were using to purposefully push and twist her to create a reaction from her. Hannah had to give it to God because even the most loving, supportive people in her life didn't understand how much she desired her dreams to come to fruition. And when you heard the story, what was her husband doing? 
I mean, why are you worried about not having it? You have me. I love you. I care for you. I provide for you. You're taken care of. You have it made. But the love that her husband provided didn't compare with what she was striving for and what she knew she had on the inside of her. She knew she had the skills. She knew she had the wisdom. She knew she would master her desire. But every time she tried to make it work, it didn't. And she knew she wasn't lacking in ability. She wasn't lacking in productivity. So what was it? Well, we learned that God was keeping her from it. God had his hands in it and on it, and he held it from her for a time. And he did that for a reason. And that's what happens with us. We have a dream, we have a desire, we have a goal, and we work it over and over and over and over again. But it's not taking off. We know the gifts God placed on the inside of us, but it is taking longer than expected. We thought we would have that by now. We were sure God was going to give it to us. We just knew it. But now we find ourselves stagnant. We feel like we're lacking. I mean, we're not stale, but it seems like we're in one spot. We can't move. We can't move forward in the dream. We can't move forward in the gift that God told us we would birth. But every time we try to make things happen, we can't even conceive what we're aiming to do. It's frustrating, especially when people around you are looking at you saying, Ah, you don't have it yet? Well, I have it. Oh, you haven't achieved it yet? Oh, well, uh, look at mine. I know you wish you had it. I love my it. I love my it so much. The Lord blessed me with it. Oh, I just love my it. It makes me so happy. I sure thought you would have had it by now. Keep praying for it and don't focus on it. It will come as you wait on it. And isn't that something? Folks who have it and they got it a different way, they're telling you, Or they're suggesting to you how to go through it, how to go get it. But they aren't believing God and they are not waiting on God to deliver it to you the way God promised he would. So they can't relate with you. They cannot relate with what you have going on because you and them are aiming towards it, whatever it is, but you're going to acquire it a different way. And that is what Hannah was going through. She was going through someone pestering her in addition to someone who didn't see the value it had in her life. 
and that person was possibly unknowingly brushing her off in a dismissive manner. For somebody to say to someone who's believing for it, hey, don't, don't worry about it. You have me. That's dismissive. Especially when the person who's telling you or telling that person, you have me, you don't need it. They have the very thing you want. Let's look at Hannah and her husband. The husband had two wives, Hannah and the other woman. The other woman and the husband had children. They had the it's. Now she wanted her it, and the husband's telling her, I mean, you have me. He possibly didn't understand the desire because been there, done that. I have kids. I mean, that's what happens when people are dismissive and they're just focused on what they have going on and not looking at what this person who's desiring something, what they want and they can't even produce it. And God is holding it from them. They're not looking at it from that vantage point. Am I saying the man was disrespectful? No, because I don't know the man. But I can see how it can consume a person when people don't understand the true value it has in an individual's life. That's why the husband could not relate. People couldn't relate. And when you read this, you will be able to identify when you ask God for wisdom and discernment what I'm talking about. When Hannah was going through this season where it consumed her, she was crying, she was praying, and she didn't eat. And sometimes not eating could be due to stress, depression, and anxiety. But whenever we get into those feelings, it's always, or emotions, it's always great to seek help. In addition to that help, seek God, go after God. In addition to going to seek counsel from individuals who can and are willing to properly assist you. Now, when anything is consuming you, it might be time to fast. If the consuming thoughts and behaviors are not checked, then you can begin living from a place of resentment, anger, and anguish. And that is not the life God wants you to live. It might be time to look to God and draw close to him. So when he blesses you with it, you know what to do. And if he doesn't bless you with it, you still know what to do. Hannah received her blessing, but when she received her blessing and God blessed her with it, we don't read anywhere where Hannah went to her rival and showed her it. We don't read anywhere in the Bible where Hannah went to people and showcased it. No, before she received it, she declared to God, I will give it, the thing, the gift, the desire back to you, Lord, all the days of my life. Not only will I give it back to you, Lord, when you bless me with it, 
I will make a public declaration through my actions that you blessed me with this, you did this for me, and you deserve the glory and the praise. In order to get to a place where you dedicate the very thing you prayed for back to God, that comes from being in his presence, praying to him. That comes from drawing close to God and getting rid of distractions that encourage you to go against God. God wants to bless you, but Satan, he wants you to remain consumed with what God has not granted you yet. Satan wants to thwart your mind. He wants to thwart your heart, your soul, and twist your emotions where when you do get the very thing you desire, or you conceive the very thing you want, you curse yourself and the blessings by walking in pride and using what God blessed you with as a show-and-tell object where you put it in people's face and then you're seeking your worth and approval from them. And they, whoever they represent in your life, had nothing to do with the desires God placed and developed on the inside of you. That is a distraction. But do you want to know what will throw Satan off? And you want to know what will throw off those feelings of pride on the inside of you? If you are operating pride, you do what God said to do. You follow what First Peter, the fifth chapter in the seventh verse states. And that is, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That includes every anxiety that is trying to consume you. Every anxiety associated with what you don't have yet, whatever it is that's not working out, whatever it is that you don't see yet, whatever it is that you're trying to figure out and you don't know where it is, give that to God. Cast that on God. Because it is a care, it is a distraction, and it is possibly causing anxiety. And it's best to check those thoughts and check your mind and check what you have going on on the inside. Because we don't want to get to the point of thinking and pondering on, man, when I get it, I'm going to show them. I'm going to do this when I get it. Now, an individual is operating in the wrong headspace on what they're supposed to do with what God put on the inside of them. So you have to check that. The aim is to not get distracted by people who have the very thing you desire. And yes, it is easier said than done. The aim is to cast your cares on God, whatever it is. Because once Satan sees a gap, he sees a breach in your wall of confidence, he'll send somebody, he'll send some people, or he'll attack your mind about what it is that you don't have. And people will start coming in, disrespecting you, taunting you. Asking you about it. It is everywhere. Because it is consuming your mind. 
And Satan wants to use it to take you out of here. He wants to use it to take you out. Because it has your heart broken. If I can just stab you with it. Hit you across the face with it. Let you see that you have not obtained it. I can deceive you. Then I can steal from you. Kill you. And destroy you. That's his game plan. Or his game plan is, hey, go get it. Go get it. God taking too long to give it to you. Go get it. And then when you go pick it up, that's not what God was going to give you. It was somewhere else. What you picked up or what that person picked up was a trap. And since they picked it up and they listened to the deceiving voice, now they have to endure the consequences of going to get it the wrong way. And when you don't have it and people start coming up to you, taunting you, making fun of you, whatever it is, normally when a person who supposedly has it, the very thing that you desire, if they feel the need to come disrespect you and put it in your face, they see something in you that they don't have. They see something in you that they desire. There is something on the inside of you that they want, and they have to have it. So it becomes some type of competition in their mind. Where they know that you want what they have. All while they're looking at you. Function without it. And they're trying to figure out how are you still successful without it. How are you moving forward without it. You want it. But you have joy without it. I want what you have. It's backwards. It's twisted. And that's why I said you have to jump out of that it pool because you have a whole lot of things you have to deal with if you don't concentrate on what you need to focus on and you need to focus on God, not you. We need to focus on God. That's the aim. We do not want Satan using it as a distraction and an inroad in our lives. Let's look at Hannah. She didn't have it. Her rival had it. And her rival provoked her. She taunted her. Mistreated her. But the rival didn't have something that Hannah had. The rival had her own it. See, Hannah's it was she wanted children. She didn't have it. The other wife had that with her husband. The other wife had Hannah's it. She had kids. But the other wife, the rival, the one who taunted Hannah because she didn't have it, the rival didn't have it either. Her it was she was not loved. She wanted love. She was married to a man who did not love her. And she saw it. She saw she had these children with this man. 
and this man still didn't love her. No matter what she did, he didn't love her. And she watched everything he did for the other woman in her face. Yeah, he supplied for and made sure they were taken care of. But that man didn't love her. It's recorded in scripture. I know about it. I wasn't even there. You know about it. We know the man didn't love her. So she was dealing with her own it. And it consumed her. It consumed her to the point where she had to start talking about people, disrespecting people, misusing people. And that's where we don't want to be. We don't want it to consume us to the point where we are getting out of character. We're disrespecting people. No, we don't want to do that. When it gets to the point where it's consuming us, it's time to go pray and fast so we can make the right moves on what we need to do about it. And some of you are going through the very same thing both wives went through. They both had their it. The question is, which route are you going to take? Are you going to surrender it to God? Or are you going to attack people because you don't have it? Which one? Which wife will you be like? Which one? Which route will you take? Our aim is to understand, okay, we don't have it. I want it. It is in my face. Let me go to God about it. Because I don't want to go around disrespecting people who have it and I want it. Because I don't know what the next day will be like. That wife that was disrespecting Hannah. I wonder what happened when she uh, <laughs> found out homegirl was pregnant. She couldn't do those taunts anymore, man. Not only did she have six children when she was making fun of her, she had the six children and the man who loved her. So she had all of it. And this story is not exclusive to individuals who are married. This can happen in any scenario, any situation in life where you're desiring it. People have it. They're disrespecting you. But you give it to God. When God turns it around and puts you on top, those people who were doing that to you, they don't know what to do. You don't hear about them anymore. The aim is to not allow anything to consume you to the point where you are praising it. You are being controlled by it and you're bowing down to it. And you're not going to God and you're not seeking God about it. It should not be above your relationship with God, no matter what it is. And when you read the story... Or you read the Bible, you find out that Hannah's son that she gave to God, when God gave it to her, this son of hers grew up to do some mighty things for God, some great things for God, because his mother put him in a position to honor God. And that happened from her giving it to God. And that's what we need to do. 
Never allow it to consume you. Never allow it to consume you. And it could be anything. It could be love, peace, relationships, grief, regret, pain, a desire, a dream, a goal, an opportunity, a breakthrough. Whatever it is, don't let it consume you. I understand it's important to think on it. But when you can't sleep, you can't eat, you're talking about it. You can't even function throughout the day. You're anxious. You're crying. You're all over the place. You just can't get it together. You're spending money that you don't have for it. It's time to take a step back. Take a step back real quick. Nobody said that you had to stop doing what you're doing, but it's time to refocus and make sure, Lord, am I doing the right thing? Because it is getting out of hand. Let me make sure this is you. So I'm just going to take some time, give it to you fast, dedicate myself to you, consecrate myself, set myself apart, and seek you wholeheartedly for this time to make sure that this is what I need. And if it is not, show me what to do. And if it is, show me what to do. Because I want to do the right thing. I want to make the right decision. Draw close to God and he will guide you through it. Okay? And a scripture I would like to review with you once more is 1 Peter, the 5th chapter, and the 7th verse. And it states, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Believe that scripture. And draw close to God, okay? God has it already worked out for you. Thank you for tuning in. Feel free to visit my website, drkenitrabryant.com. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at Aim Towards the Target. Enjoy your day. Peace and God bless.